Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Stand your ground! And the twin patrolers! There will be no survivor! No? Not yet. My men are here! I am here! But soon you will not be here! No! Light him. Alright, Robert! Thanks, no survivors! All you wolves, nightmares, are about to come true! Then Ralph, true Ralph, will follow you forever! The Twain Parrot, Robert, is here for you! scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at that most inconceivable intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this year, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now for a very special fear of God conversation is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And typically with me, this fellow co-host, Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but he happened to fall victim to one of the classic blunders. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, in the meantime, Allow me to welcome you, listeners, back into What Saves Us, this second of a pair of overarching series this year, this time featuring films and media that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity, not to overstate things, but that are saving you now. Last week, we wondered what exactly was on the Salem's Lot movie poster with the pod bros covering uh, Stephen King's Salem's Lot in our second half of the year quarterly King. And today we are climbing the cliffs of insanity with longtime friend of the show and fellow podcaster. He of two geek soup friends and foggers. It is Mr. John Vinalas. John, welcome to the show, sir. You know, I am. I'm so psyched to be here because like, it was always this sort of idea that like, you know, how would I possibly ever 
like get the chance to be on and your show because I don't want to watch any of the movies that you guys talk about. <laughs> well, here you and are. So, and yeah, so yeah, here yeah. I am. It's like a miracle. Yeah. What a perfect one. Miracle Max. Indeed. If you don't mind, John, real quick, strap yourself into that harness for me on my back. Uh, uh, while I remind <laughs> listeners uh, that here at the fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com essays, team bios, just a day, lackey, the listicle dropped his, uh, uh, breakdown of the Halloween franchise. Check that out. There's merchandise. So many things read. Hey buddy. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. (laughs) Johnny B's here. John, how's it going? My friend. Inconceivable. It's, I'm, dude, I'm I'm so I'm so good. I'm I'm really just I'm stoked to be here. We're glad to have you, man. Thanks for stopping by. It's really really fun. Joining the foggy coming. mayhem. That's right. Yeah. Now oh, I see. Man. It's funny, John. I I forgot. So you are not. You're not much for the for the scary stuff. You know, like, I think you've told me that before, and I just forgot. Yeah, not not as much, and. I think I have, I've ended up seeing several of, I have seen several of the movies that you guys have, have covered. I know I saw, I remember seeing Annihilation. Mm. Um, oh yeah. 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 And, and I can't remember. Yeah. Like, so like two. Yeah. Two so of like them out of, out of about two 200. Of them, yeah. 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 yeah that's of, all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. But see, that's why, this is why I really like your show is because, and I've, I've mentioned this before that like, it's, you know, it's sort of like, a, it's like a team effort here to help everybody, you know, be up on their, their pop culture and all of these different ways. Like I get to just hear you guys talk about the movie and then I can have, you know, intelligent things to say about it without having actually had yeah. to watch it myself. It, it, oh, it yeah. works. It's just, we're great. like, we're like the Cliff's notes version. You know, what's really funny about you saying <laughs> that is <laughs> Thank uh, you, man. One, a, a podcast I listen to, I reference it a lot, but uh, it's called the watch. It's part of the ringer network. And one of the hosts on there is not a big scary movie person. And they were talking about how <laughs> they will just go read Wikipedia for like, like if there's yeah. a big cultural moment, Oh, you know, uh-huh. I'm just uh-huh. off the top of my head, like a, you know, a conjuring or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, well, sure. Their, their job, their literal job is to be savvy pop culture critics and, and talking heads. So they'll just go read the Wikipedia page and be like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, so wow. no, you're not, you're not alone, man. You're not alone. And we're here for you. We're here for you. That's but right. Fortunately today, <laughs> you, we didn't even have to deal with that. Oh man. Before today. we get to that, okay. before we yes. get to that, I'm sorry. Um, we got a little bit of your business. business. There, yes. Yeah, your business. Bit. There's no business like your business. Fog business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there's no business Reed, like your business. Reed, you've got a big one. Let me, let me throw out real quick because I, I, okay. we have been, we have been remiss. We let October. I don't know if you guys are keeping track at home, but it's not October anymore. And that makes me quite despondent, but during October, that ain't right. During October, um, foreign correspondent Vera Gowdy was just laying down thunder in the Instagram, the fear of God Instagram account. I, I like we, we we don't deserve your gifts. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. John, I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if anyone listening didn't see it, but Vera is like, she's, she is a jack of all trades and master of many. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an exceptional makeup artist 
and did, gosh, I can't even keep count. There was at least eight, 10, maybe? Oh, yeah. There, I, th- yeah, it might have been like double that. digits. I think 10 or 11. Um, of, you know, and she referenced this last time she was on the show, I believe, or at least a recent time, the Magnus Archives, which is uh, mm-hmm. a, a podcast. And so she was, she was doing makeup work on herself of these characters from this scary podcast. And it is insane. It's insane. But, it's stunning. But like characters from the podcast. Yes. Now she, next time she's on, we'll, we'll have her explain a little bit of this, but um, yeah. So the podcast is like a, a scary story narrative. Mm-hmm. Did you oh, yeah. listen to it? Admittedly, I I've did listened, not. I've listened to a little bit. It, uh, admittedly, I didn't have a lot of bandwidth as much time sure. as I wanted to, to hear it, but I, I did hear a little bit. And yes, it's like a, it's like kind of a faux narrative thing. I don't know if they're based on true stories or if it's completely fictionalized. Um, but the it's these little short sort of like vignette kind of things where they are uh, hmm. sharing sharing little creepy like almost like mini radio dramas kind of stuff. And the uh, way I sort of understood it is almost like a creepy pasta style thing. It's just these short it, it, little packets. Th- yeah, of that's the, that's kind of what narrative. I got from it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, but but nonetheless, she was kind of whether. Uh, uh, took creative license and and did her own thing or was inspired, you know, by actual designs or something. I'm not hundred percent sure. All I know is they were insane and amazing. They were incredible and very awesome. We're thankful that you are part of our team. Um, it's yeah, it was, it was stunning. You should head over to Instagram and just seek those out because they are, they are stunning and they're all like the really nice, like one minute video where a lot of oh, it yeah. is sort of time-lapsed and then you see, Oh, the it shows result. her putting the makeup. Oh, on. Yes. Shows yes. her putting the makeup oh, okay, on. Right. And, so, yeah, she's uh, she's really incredible. You get to the end of it, and 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 there's like uh, a couple of seconds uh, where it just shows the finished product for just like a flash, and it propels you back mm. through watching the video again. These are her videos, and uh, man, it's just yeah, awesome. You're incredible, Vera. We we adore you. You're fantastic. Um, so I have a a, a little. I get a little shy about this part, but uh, I've men- that, mentioned. It Reed, th- you're talking into a microphone. Don't be shy. Uh, like, okay, all right. This so, is your right. show. It's fine, a safe fine, space fine. read. Uh, okay. So I mentioned this the last couple of times. It is officially available as of this recording, uh, which means that as of this broadcast, it is absolutely available. Um, been mentioning the film that I had the privilege to co-write. It is called The Valley of the Shadow, uh, subtitled The Spiritual Value of Horror. Um, it is a little over two-hour documentary-style film um, written by myself and our Fear of God benefactor, Tyler Smith. Um, and it is the film is directed by Tyler Smith, and um, it is also hosted by friend of the show and recurring guest Bill Oberst Jr. And it is a walk through various uh, different aspects of the horror genre. I, I should say I haven't said this beforehand. The the intent of the documentary is persuasion, not to be comprehensive. So there's a lot of things that we could have talked about that we that we left on the floor. Some things that were even in the script, but the film itself was was just growing too long to include it. So um, the intent is persuasion, not uh, comprehensiveness. But uh, I- I'm really proud to have been a part of it. And is it, a- it is available uh, Vimeo on demand. You could look up, again, The Valley of the Shadow. It is available to either rent or buy digitally there. Um, it is also available. The primary place is Rediscover Television. This is a faith-based streaming service platform. Rediscover Television. I think it's rediscovertv.com. 
Um, you can sign up for a month. It's not they do offer a few things that are just for free on their platform. Like if you sign up for a free account, you can still watch some of the stuff that's there. This one in particular is is you would have to have uh, a subscription to them, a paid subscription to access it. So what I like to tell people is you can either rent it directly, Vimeo on demand, um, and I think that's like six bucks. Or you can sign up for a month of Rediscover Television, and that's like five bucks, and you'll get access to that and uh, any other content that they have available there. But uh, the film is The Valley of the Shadow, The Spiritual Value of Horror. It was written by myself and Tyler Smith, directed by Tyler Smith, and hosted by Bill Oberst Jr. And uh, would love for you to check it out. I- I'd be honored if you, any listeners out there, if you if you see it, let me know what you think. We are proud of you. Lucky. Thank you, brother. Um, do you know... Uh, is there a forecast for a physical release? So forecast, absolutely. Uh, we have been told very directly that there is a physical media version coming. I don't know if that'll be DVD and Blu-ray, DVD, whatever it will be. Um, but uh, we've been told pretty directly there is a physical media uh, platform coming. We do not know release date about that. It's probably going to be something which the producer may be um, self-printing and then self-distributing. Uh, so I'm not sure because he is the producer of this is also the person uh, who's the head of Rediscover Television, where, which is where it's streaming. So, um, so yeah, I, I will keep listeners updated if there is a physical DVD release sometime cool. in the near future, which we've been told there will be. Awesome. That's cool. exciting. And again, we are, we are proud. Thank you, you, my friend. I appreciate um, it. Dare we, because we've got a guest. Yeah. Venture into the watches. Yeah. This would normally be All the right. place. All right. Do you have us? You, you, you us in. Did you have something for us? So I'm, I'm, I, I have, I have something that I was hoping would actually be a, a very first in fear of God history. Oh, but, uh, but uh, Jackson sort of, sort of semi scooped me a little bit in, oh. providing, in providing a live guest yeah. watch. Oh, that's man. okay. But, I mean, hey, excited. you know, we'll take it. Regardless. I'm, I'm hoping that. Uh, uh, I, I hope this. I hope you guys enjoy this. Oh, I'm so, so excited! I'm so excited. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> in this world, there's just so much media. It clamors for your ears and your eyes. So when you're choosing, don't be too speedy. A discerning heart will keep you wise. The things you watch and what you listen to and what you read, it sits in your mind. What you're watching, reading and listening to, don't take in junk. Don't waste your time. Don't take in junk. Don't waste your time. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And if any listeners do not know the tune, that is some good Mark Knopfler invocation there on some Princess Bride score, my friend. I was like, "Damn, coming! I know what that is." But what that is so awesome. That's really that's awesome. Thank you, you, John. That was really really cool. (laughs) Saving you some editing time. Hey, I appreciate plug it. Again, your 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 watch us. <laughs> we can do a little. We can do a little refrain at the end too. To oh, take us out. very so. very nice, very nice. Yeah. So uh, so I mean, you asked the question uh, melodically as you did, but what have you been watching, reading, and or listening to? So uh, I have been listening primarily to things because of my job. I'm in the car. I think even more than Nathan is. Um, mm. 
And so I listened to podcasts and audio books, like, like almost as if that was my actual job. Mm. And, and what I just finished listening to was a book about the history of Marvel comics, which was, which is very, very fascinating. And so I'll just drop like, this is like the thing that sort of most blew my mind. So the guy, the guy who gave Stan Lee his job is, was a fellow named Martin green oh shoot and i just looked it up too anyway this the guy who gave stanley his job um he and his wife were were out one time and almost almost got on the hindenburg that night wow. no way oh, yeah wow. yeah but it was they were like they like didn't get a ticket early enough or, or some like some like weird little quirk of chance no kept them yeah. off wow. the off the hindenburg mm. Wow, so, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard if if the if the book you're referring to is what I think it is, I've heard really good things the, about that one. The Untold Story of Marvel Comics is the name of the so. book. Untold Story yeah. of Marvel and Comics. It, and it, it, it takes a, a really comprehensive look at the history of of all of the, the office drama sort mm-hmm. of uh, that took place throughout the, the decades of Marvel leading right up to the inception of the MCU really is kind of wow. is kind of where it, Who, where who's it the author? leaves off um i can check that for you just right here it is written by a fellow named sean howe sean howe okay hmm. yeah martin goodman that was the name anyway okay yeah very cool so the untold history of marvel comics by sean howe uh but also so i wanted to also like pick you guys as brains for like half a second <laughs> on uh something I read a little while ago I, or listened to the audiobook of, of, uh, the stand. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 So that was, that was really interesting. Had and you ever read it before? I had never read it before. The only other Stephen King thing that I had ever read was the thing that he co-wrote with Peter Straub. Oh, uh, the talisman yeah the talisman i was gonna ask if it was talisman or black house yeah uh i started black house and and didn't finish it but the Mm. talisman nathan are you familiar with that at all i I haven't read it but i am familiar with it yeah yeah so for one of his few full full fantasy forays isn't it yeah and for anyone who's not familiar with it like hopefully this is the only thing that it will take to like convince you that you should try the talisman is like narnia on crack (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay or on iocane yeah. you know oh yeah yeah yeah. there you go uh, n- n- yeah <laughs> it's it's just it's it's totally bizarre and and also really interesting mm-hmm. um but so there was a couple of things that that in the stand that sort of stuck out to me and i don't know if if, if either of you have ever sort of considered the uh oh what's the what's like the main female character's name Franny, the one who's Franny goes Franny. the the Sorry. course of Franny's pregnancy as sort of a, a metaphor for the entire story. Oh, interesting. Like in, as in uh, the, the idea that she was worried. Like it's an unexpected, they- it's an unexpected thing that like totally mm-hmm. changes her life. And then as there's like, you know, there's some turbulence mm-hmm. to the, to the pregnancy as well. And like the uncertainty of, of how it's going to, of how it's going to end out. 
and and then the way that it finally you know does come to to fruition and and bring sort of a renewal oh hmm. no you that's know? a fascinating concept yeah i mean yeah i mean m-o-o-n that's bell's metaphor that's for <laughs> sure right. well and especially especially i find it fascinating because in the book she's pregnant before the events of the novel uh like that's where her conception is before the events of the novel in the sure. uh 90s miniseries mm-hmm. the child is her and Stu's. like it's uh oh I think, wow i think i'm fairly interesting certain. is it i don't or remember is- I, that that sounds not accurate but but this is I'm wondering me talking, if that, so. you know what and, and i would need to refresh what what's sticking in my mind and maybe it was the maybe it was actually the more recent miniseries that i'm thinking of i remember in one version of the iteration of the stand they talk about how the child has two immune parents so they didn't know if the child would be immune to captain trips but he had two immune parents and obviously in the stand yeah. her, the the baby's father does not make it and so that's why i thought it was right. the 90s one but i would need to I would need to refresh actually to see. If mm. that I'm just, works. I'm just thankful that we will never have to encounter something akin to a Captain Trips. Like I can't. <laughs> uh, well, and see, and that um, was the other thing that I was going to mention <laughs> is that, like, reading this thing, like, in the middle of you know the age of coronavirus, was oh, sort of Lord. a very, oh sure, a very surreal experience, oh. be- especially at the very beginning when there's like all these things that like the the health you know authorities are saying oh you know it'll be fine it's just you know this little thing and there were some definitely very eerie like echoes of of like yeah. you know, bold bold pronouncements at the beginning of something that that nobody really understood just exactly how uh, mm-hmm. significant I mean, it was so anyway you know we're not we're not going to spend too much time here but uh, uh the stand is what trained me when all of covid era began when i would have folks in my life who'd be like oh, i'll give it about two weeks i was like no sir no sir it is <laughs> it is going to be much longer than two weeks you you, yeah. you you haven't you clearly haven't read any stephen king <laughs> or any don't genre material Boulder. whatsoever yeah yeah right. uh, don't move to Boulder that's, or vegas that's awesome man i, I um <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure i listened to the stand the last time I, I i've read it once and then did the audiobook back when we did our quarterly king right um very cool. We'll read if I can if I can introduce ours real quick because you yeah. and I have a history of watching not very good movies together. But we in the theater. Might have, this is true. This is true. Did you fair. break the curse? Uh, well, well, that's another story. But uh, <laughs> for the for, for the uh, uh, for the non theater viewing we recently had. So so Reed and I had the gift of being able to hang out uh, together this past weekend. Uh, in calendar time and watched a, a, a plethora of films with a few buddies. And one of which was a sequel to uh, a film we covered on the show before. And we That's did right. for my first viewing. And I think was yours. Uh, was. We watched strain, the strangers pray the strangers. at night, which I really think is a stupid title, but um, <laughs> it was not as good as the first because the first is pretty friggin' strong, but I did think for a never watched a scary movie, watching a scary movie with a group of folks, it was very, very enjoyable as far as that goes. Uh, some really, a couple of really strong set pieces, yes, um, and a few very legitimate scares that. I mean, oh, were there? If you want to run the run with the baton, <laughs> read. I'll, I'll so, let you. Okay, so so I figured this is going to come out anyway, so I'll, I'll let yeah, you do. No, it. it's true. Mild, <laughs> I mean, mild, mild uh, alternate take on my end is I actually think the first one is profoundly scarier 
but I actually think I enjoyed the second one more than I enjoyed the first Interesting. one because hmm. I think the second one just has a different energy to Every it. Every now and then you're wrong. That's okay. Uh, okay. I'm not saying it's objectively a better film. I'm just saying I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, it was I do, the company. Was and the company. again, I think, well, and that might've played a factor to it. Um, but no, there's just a, there's, there's a different energy around the second one. And I was expecting one of the reasons I'd taken so long to see it is because I thought, oh, this will be more of the same. And narratively speaking, sure, it's a little bit more of the same, but they really do some inventive things, some inventive things visually and with the soundtrack that I think give it an edge yes. and, and okay. made me uh, just enjoy a bit more of, of what they were offering me than I was expecting to. And I would even say possibly for me, enjoyed it maybe even a bit more than the first one, though I do think the first one is objectively a stronger film and definitely scarier. That having been said, there was uh, a decent uh, <laughs> number of little scares in this one, one in particular uh, which if you uh, listener, if you have seen this film, then um, there is one moment in particular where uh, if you've seen it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, this won't really spoil anything. There is a moment that basically involves one of our main characters trying to hide from a truck that is seeking to find her. And it is, you know, flashing lights and everything like that. And so as a viewer, you're anticipating like, oh, my God, <laughs> what's going to happen? Because this truck is like bearing down. And then. A jump scare happened. And when we were in the room, picture you got to picture the setting. We're in a mountain home uh, surrounded by woods. It, it's dark outside, you know, and, and we've got nice Halloween decor and Halloween lights in here. And we're all just sort of cuddled up in blankets uh, and, and, you know, surrounding the TV watching this five guys. And then suddenly when that you really paint a really awkward picture there, but go hey, ahead. Listen, listeners, <laughs> make up it what you will. But um, <laughs> so, so, but then like we were all, watching this and then when that jump scare happened my man nathan like <laughs> spontaneously combusts in the middle of telling you he like he was reclined his his feet were stretched out on the ottoman in front he's sitting on a futon feet stretched out nathan is um, a larger individual than me uh, he's a reasonably you know uh, a, a reasonably sized individual but you know large to me but he is uh, cuz i'm you know obscenely small but then um, he is stretched out, his legs stretched out on the thing. When that jump scare happened, I think he retracted like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was like one of those like measuring tape retracted, like his legs like <laughs> flew back in. He physically pops like 17 feet off of the air and yells expletives I can't repeat at the moment. And then like he, start he startles all of us more than the moment did. Like I was I think I realized what had happened after I came down from Nathan scaring the tar uh -huh. out of me. So uh, that was so John, this is what you miss by not watching scary movies is <laughs> the pure joy of, of pooping yeah. your pants. You yeah. know, entering poop uh, club uh, oh, amongst right. a bunch of peers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Indeed. So, but yes, strangers pray at night. It's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, it's it's really, really great. John, you want to refrain us out of uh oh we'll, we'll do. There you go. The things you watch and what you listen to and what you read. Ain't just to kill time. And what you're watching, reading, and listening to, it will hold back or grow your mind. It will hold back or grow your mind. Oh, that's love. I, I'm Thank you, you, brother. Thank you so much. The Fog community's talent never ceases to amaze me. I mean, it's it's just insane. It's absolutely overwhelming. Um, well, so so. 
there's lots of already uh, Princess Bride love being dropped already, but we have one little uh, detour that we need to take. First of all, and we didn't even, I feel bad. We didn't even prep right. the listeners for this. <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even prep the listeners for this last week, oh, but um, yeah. so we need to I make forgot. sure we do it. Yeah. We need to do it in like the, the, the socials or whatever to prep. I know you, because. you really forgot because you didn't tell me until like yesterday. I know it's so yes exactly so hopefully <laughs> and I was up. and I was all excited because I was like oh okay they already got through season one I'm like scot free this is gonna be that's hilarious <laughs> nope I don't I don't have to I don't have to do the the trial the thing of Apple Plus to, <laughs> to 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 get into this thing that and I yet, wouldn't here you are and yet and yet oh, here we are here we are so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen this time once again. For the one, the only TV guideposts. Yes, we are heading back to Richmond for ye old Greyhounds, where we shall enjoy the company of Ted, Rebecca, Roy Kent, Keeley, and all the other friends that we have as we engage with season two of Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso, episodes one and two, right here, right now, on hashtag TV guideposts. Welcome to all right oh yeah i was wondering it's it's funny there was like a little bit of, was a little delay i was like oh yeah, yeah. Got, and then a, yeah. and then like i'm about to start talking and it's sneaking in the- <laughs> oh, <dear. Yeah. laughs> that's, how, that's um, how it goes so um so yeah so before we dive in john so you were able to see these two episodes or you were was awesome. i was able awesome. to see them yeah yeah. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, for you know, just thirty seconds or so, like, what was your overlap and intersection with Ted Lasso prior to this? Did you just watch those episodes for this conversation, or, or so? I wouldn't call it an overlap or an intersection as so much of a. Uh, so you guys have both seen what if you know, like the absolute point. Oh yes. Of of the death. Of, okay, so this is my absolute point. For ah, understood <laughs> for everything understood. that involves Ted Lasso, other than like hearing you guys um, talk about it on on prior installments of TV gotcha. Guidepost, and <laughs> and I didn't, in perfect honesty, I didn't even actually listen to all of each of those. Okay. So that's fine, that's fine. We didn't no, either. That's fine. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> so um. So. Uh, I'm curious, like these are just sort of two episodes that drop you in. Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy them? Did you, did you have a you good know, time with them? You know, I did. I did. And there was, you know, there's some stuff and I, I wasn't taking really great notes. I, I only sort of jotted down one thing that we can get into later, but uh, mm. um, no, it's, it's really, it, it is good. It is good. And, and there's some stuff that's just so funny. And what I wasn't expecting was how, was how British uh, oh, a lot British. of the really good humor in it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what the gag was. At, oh, yes. When they were doing the TV interview with the guy who just got booted off the reality oh, show. So and, oh, and, and, and the outgoing thing, the little teaser for the next, for the next segment was, have scientists actually created a fat-free custard that doesn't make you sad? <laughs> oh it's great that's awesome. really really funny smart stuff so yeah no it was uh it was it was good and i mean yeah obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of character stuff and and references to past things that just completely you know mostly flew over my head gotcha. um 
but uh, but I didn't find it to be a, a, a wasted experience. And since I do have, still have um, you know some time left on the on, on the old uh, yeah. on the subscription, I, I I feel like I probably might go back and 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 uh, awesome and watch from the beginning. So we'll see. Well, we. We that. highly endorse that. We obviously so. Yes, yes we <laughs> highly endorse that. Um, so we can we can dive right into season two, where we which picks up pretty much where we left off. Uh, Richmond has been relegated at the end of their somewhat uh, surprising and and pretty devastating loss at the end of season one. Um, so they've been relegated as a team, and they are fighting for promotion. When we find them. They have had multiple tied games in a row. I think it's worth noting this pilot episode or this first episode of season two, which is called Goodbye Earl, uh, a a name which will make sense in a second. Um, It's worth noting, and I didn't remember this when I got to the end of it, uh, because obviously this is my first time rewatching season two. Um, The entire season opens with a close up of Nathan's face, which is the much more memorable final shot of season two for very different reasons that we won't talk about right now, right here and now. But uh, I did find it interesting that the whole season also opened with a very intense close up of Nathan's face. It ends on one, um, but for very different the circumstances. Very, lo- very lost maneuver. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> nice, absolutely. nice narrative symmetry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you the, the floor. What are your thoughts on goodbye Earl? Any notes you may have anything like that? So, uh, this will unspool itself as we discuss season two, but in a lot of ways, I am excited about us walking through the season for my as well first rewatch to kind of help me process a little bit the overarching energy of season two. And so, mm-hmm. like you, I was like, huh, all right, well, there's that uh, when the season opens. Um, because, uh, it doesn't really spoil anything, but as Reed alluded to, this is a symmetrical shot that I'd totally forgotten. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's a lot of stuff that's done with the character of Nate in this season that there's a, and Reed, this is a conversation we can have as we go through these, the, the discussion of how subtle is too subtle and how subtle isn't subtle at all, I, you know, mm, because, because right. just how strongly they steer Nate into certain waters by the by season's end there's a world where if you're not super paying attention or think this show is going to be one tone its whole run can be a little jarring and yet as you just stated i think the work is done just in some places if you're not watching for it it is hard to know that the work is getting done yep um so so from that standpoint i think in the long run it will iron out some of my feelings by season's end but you know these two are great this first one goodbye earls has one of the best sort of uh setups tie into its the the episode title of just about any episode when danny inadvertently uh, um <laughs> on a penalty kick uh, uh the mascot Earl oh, jumps man. in front oh it's it's, it's hysterical <laughs> but it's that sort of narrative choice that brings in who will become a pretty central figure in season two that of dr sharon or doc yes. ter sharon um <laughs> uh, who who becomes a pretty key figure uh not just for the narrative of ted lasso the show but for the the direction of ted lasso the character um I will say a a couple of overarching notes about episode one. I 
love the Magnolia love, uh, the, the Paul Thomas Anderson Magnolia film that gets some verbal play with Danny, Ted and beard about mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise ponytail movie, which is <laughs> they jockey back and forth between Magnolia and the last samurai and Reed, you're a super savvy person. So I'm, I always assume, you know, everything, uh, John, I don't know if you know this, but at the end of this episode, when Rebecca is sitting in the, uh, restaurant and her, her possible new bow or, you know, flirted with new bow, uh, is kind of yammering on. She, um, the song, uh, wise up it's wise by up, Amy yeah. Mann mm-hmm. is playing. And that is a song off of the Magnolia soundtrack. And so it's ah. clear they are playing with that trope, which I love that soundtrack and have a, a, a fun place in my heart for that film. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go on this read, but football is life. <laughs> football is also death. Football is football right. too, but mostly football is life. Just a great bit of Danny work in this <laughs> episode. It's wonderful. Um, Hello, I'll my make- beautiful coaches. i'll mention uh just how lovely um and i'm sure we'll come up when we get you know deeper into these conversations and especially with the season two conversation uh, about theme i'm sure we'll come back up but uh the lovely response ted gives when they asked him about earl and he tells the story about (laughs) the the dog that yeah that he you know he was just you know, terrified of this dog. And I wrote it down because I thought it was so powerful. He said, you know, the things that make you cry because they were there and then cry because they're gone. And um, I'm just like, wow, that's really, but you know, he he talks about how they were intended to get you from one place to a better one. And Mm -hmm. um, I, this, this whole season, and I'm not unpacking this now because I would have to share too many details. It'll come up again as we go through the season, but um, this whole season seems to be about change, change and challenge. And, um, and, you know, last season, as we kind of unpacked, uh, this is not everything that last season is about, but last season is very much about cost, like, the th- you know, doing the work and paying the cost um, for the good things. And this one is much more about change and challenge in many different ways. And so um, I just thought that was really powerful and meant more to me this time around opening it up, knowing where the season goes for him to say like, yeah, the things that cry because you cry because they were there and then you cry because they're gone. Um, so that that makes a big deal. I wanted to mention one thing because yeah. it'll come up again is that I didn't remember that uh, talking about that symmetry again, that when Ted sits down and tries to have girl talk, sometimes it's got to be girl listen. But um, when he sits down <laughs> and has girl talk with Rebecca, um, when they talk about what sometimes girl talk is it, and, and then like, oh, yeah, then nothing really gets solved. The kind of thing. I remember that that's later what Roy Kent says about the diamond dogs getting together. And I thought that was nice uh, symmetry. He says it uh, in a moment, I think in like episode nine or 10, he says something about that. And, uh, and, and I thought that was really nice symmetry. So there I'm picking up on, even in these first two episodes Mm -hmm. that I think there's a lot of things that they laid down and just dropped it as a moment of itself that then comes back in another iteration later in the season. And I find that really interesting and I'm, I'm excited to see what else they do along those lines. I will generally say that I think, and and I'll own this now because listeners are going to be charting this path with us or walking this path with us. Uh, my sum total feeling of season two was a little dialed back than it was for season one, despite some extremely strong choices and in a good way that get made in season two. Um, and I, I, I can't deny that part of that has to do with how, how you consume it. And season one had already ended. I watched it all in a flurry. You get that really strong feeling, just 
out of that boulder getting thrown in the pond, you know, just there's a, there's a whole lot happening quick and watching it week to week changes the rhythm of how you absorb it and how you process it. And, and you're absolutely right, Reed. I do think, cause we have now you and I watched at least the first four and the different experience of watching a thing to, um, a second time and, and, and keying in on some of the work that is getting done that is isn't quite as obvious the first time through you know i I did i did grow in my respect for this season some i did want to throw out before we potentially go to see to episode two sure uh, um basically i just wrote in all caps the word funny when i want to mention this ted's it's nice to meet you (laughs) dance when sharon comes in is hysterical it is so so funny funny. um just nails that and then in the same scene when uh, uh, Dr. Sharon lays out her bona fides and Brendan Hunt as Beard's response, his facial expression, this just slack jawed look is it's so funny. It's, <laughs> it's, so funny. it's wonderful. Um, I want to mention, no, that's fantastic. I want to mention this is my last note uh, on uh, episode one. And that is uh, Roy's shout up to Rebecca about her, the guy oh, that's she's great. dating. Yep. And he <clears> says like, come on. It's like, you're, yeah, he's fine. He's perfectly fine. You deserve, you deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. That's the one. <laughs> turned into like a Scott, a Scott that's, there for a second. That, that's, <laughs> that's don't you one. dare settle for fine. Yeah. Don't you dare great. settle for fine. I just thought that, I just thought that was wonderful. I, I just thought that was really uh, affecting. Mm-hmm. And especially considering, and again, John, you won't know this yet, but especially considering some of where Rebecca's narrative in this season goes, I just thought, wow, that's the, that's really fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's all I have. Which is if, which is also easy. That lovely sentiment is also easy to pair with our boy Jamie Tart's final comment of the, of the episode. <laughs> I'm the I'm the island's top scorer. Sex shall I? <laughs> Sex shall I? I actually wrote it S E X S H U L A Y. Wow! Wow! Yeah. That it's good old, old Jamie Tart phonetic work. Jamie Tart. Uh, yeah, I get it. Johnny, you got any any more episode one notes that you want to share? So I mean. It's sort of a more surface thing, but it is something it's a it's a point that just sort of illustrates, I guess, uh, the sort of thing that I that I already appreciate about the show uh, when 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 it's, it's coming up to that penalty kick, mm-hmm. the fateful penalty kick um, when they're when they're gearing up for it. You see that that pigeon or that bird, you know, sort of sort of flutter down to the field mm-hmm. and and it, it and it got my attention. And it was it was a, it was an effective bit of foreshadowing that sort of draws you. Know, I was like, oh, okay, something something's going to happen <laughs> with this bird. Like I know yeah, it yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. And look here, and, look here. And uh, and you know, and at first, as the as the dog was chasing it, I thought, I thought, oh, he's gonna he's gonna kick the ball like through the bird, you know, or something. <laughs> nope. Or no. something like that, <laughs> and you know they're gonna win, but it's gonna be this sort of like horrible, like feathery poof of 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 whatever. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, but yeah, then that's not what happened. And it was even it was even funnier. <laughs> or, oh, it's funny. Or it's sometimes tragedy funny. is comedy. <laughs> yeah. So because anyway. football is life, and football is death, and football is football, but mostly. Football is football life. Is life. <laughs> That's awesome. So episode two is called Lavender. And again, I do want to throw this out that, you know, this will be the drumbeat. Nathan is on me, Nathan, uh, about Nathan Shelley, our former kit man turned assistant coach. 
because because this is Reed and I just had this text back and forth today when when I made a suggestion of a thing and Reed said, well, the reason we didn't make that choice was a month ago you said let's make a different choice so nathan effectively what my sweet friend was trying to say nathan you are contradicting yourself and and i was trying to be like well yeah but that doesn't matter this is how i feel now and and how that how that exchange ended was hey reed just always remember i'm a feeler first before i'm a thinker and episode uh, season two had made me feel certain ways that i wasn't sure how I felt about those feelings. And now that I can rewatch it with my thinking cap on you're I'm much more dialed in on some choices that are made. One of them literally being the name of the episode and I'm watching it. And then when it comes back up and John, you might recall, you just watched this uh, uh, when will the new kit man, young kid has mm-hmm. washed the laundry in <laughs> lavender detergent. And he's so proud of himself. He is. And Nate is so not very happy at all. And I was just like, okay, the architecture of this, this season is in plain sight. If you know to look at it and oh, okay. naming this episode lavender is a big fat neon sign saying, mm-hmm. guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This is kind of what we're doing Something's here. What were you going to say, John? No, just the, uh, when, <laughs> when he went to get that kid in the laundry room, said come here and then and then rushes off ahead of them and closes every door behind <laughs> oh, him yeah. and yeah. so then when he finally gets to the door that he needs to get to to talk to the guys like yeah come in <laughs> oh my gosh yep no it's <laughs> some amazing physical comedy there. <laughs> i feel like that uh is really astute you observing the the episode title because yeah, these first two episodes really did zone me in of like, okay, yep, this was this was not a late in the game plan. This they right. when they arced this season, they knew exactly where they were going to land. And every mm-hmm. single puzzle piece was le- not every single puzzle piece. There's more characters than just Nathan Shelley, but there's lots of things that to the way you just said it, Nathan, like if you know to look for them, oh, man. it was it was there uh the whole way through. Um I think well, I see love- now. I sorry. Oh, go ahead, John. No, no, no. Oh, no. Like now, I really now I really want to to go back and and watch the whole thing because writing like r- that kind of writing is something that I love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you guys have heard of or read uh, a book called The Name of the Wind. Name of the Wind. Uh, I've heard of it. Uh, wait a second. Is I, that the- you probably heard of it from me because if you've talked <sighs> to me at all, like you can't you you can't be around me for more than a few hours at a time without me needing to compulsively uh, just ejaculate my love for. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, I was, I, I, it's all right. I, I, We're all friends I was here. Really, I was really looking for a different word, and it just that's wasn't okay. Coming in a, so I anyway. found you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the word is just there, and it's just yeah, like, sometimes, it's lavender. Sometimes it's, it's like just the one. Guess but what? Like, this is where we're going. But that's it's a it's there's actually a trilogy. The third book is still on its way, but one mm. you you can't really see the way just how smart the writing of these books are until you've read them both and then read them again Mm -hmm. and then probably also read them a third or fourth time yeah um Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff that's like really subtly seeded through the 
the the the story and and if you're yeah. saying that kind of that kind of writing is present here then that's a that's a big that's absolutely. a big hook for me absolutely yeah, and one great. more one more thing that they layer in that uh holds uh, profound implications uh for some things later in the season sometimes not so subtle sometimes uh pretty subtle is all the dad conversation there's a lot of dad oh, conversation yeah. in episode sure. two and uh specifically like when uh, Jamie and Ted are sitting at the bar and they're talking about dad mm. stuff and right. that's, that's going to come back later in. Uh, but also the oh. idea of Sam's supportive dad and that being why Ted's like, Hmm, we need to give D- Jamie another chance because mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. how Sam's dad was with him and, and uh, dad stuff is going to come back up in, in, like I said, in some subtle ways, and some not so subtle ways, dad stuff is going to come up, and and I think is really a central consideration uh, in terms of what is happening with these characters uh, is their relationship to their father, uh, their respective fathers, and so I, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty impressive. I, I gotta say, I do cool. love in this episode the Ted Sharon first mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, conflict might be the wrong word, but at least structure, story structure, story structure is conflict. Um, You know, and she's just like, this is interesting. This is how you connect with people. (laughs) It's disarming. And he is, he is stopped in his tracks. Mm -hmm. And, and that Mm -hmm. is one of the things I do love about the show is it knows the character of Ted and knows Mm -hmm. this isn't like you, you can't um, even an audience will only abide his version of of being to a certain degree until you kind of have to reckon with it in a real world setting because the show despite being kind of fantastical in its aspirational aspects still wants it to be a real world that these Mm -hmm. characters occupy um Mm -hmm. and so i do like that sharon becomes kind of the fly in the ointment for ted who, who clearly is wriggling underneath her the, the gaze of Sauron, as it were. Um, <laughs> we love Jamie. I'm not just a loser. I'm the loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. He is so um, wow. drifting through his life right now. It's, I got to say, <laughs> until I know what comes later in the season, um, I was a little upset when I first watched episode two that Ted brought Jamie back because I was like, man, he succumbed. It was like he betrayed Sam, all this other kind of stuff. Um, I'm just talking about when I first ended season two on my first viewing. I don't feel that way. You ended season two. Uh, Sorry. Episode two. When I ended episode two, the very first time I watched it, I was a little upset. I was like, what are you doing, man? Why are you bringing it back? Clarify for me because the, the bar scene, Ted says no. Like he correct. Right. Yes. So it's episode three. I'm pretty sure that he that he relents. No, no, no. it's at it's the, at end, the of end of episode. At the end two. of this. So what's episode, yeah? What's because the I was surprised beat? by it. As I can't well. remember. Yeah. So what happens is here's the sequence, and here's why I was initially mad at Ted. I'm not mad at him anymore. <laughs> why was it? <laughs> why, was it out. <laughs> why I was initially <laughs> mad at Ted is Jamie in the bar talk about it. He says no. Right. He says uh uh-uh. uh, and then later on the guys in the locker room see a photo from the three bar patrons who had snapped a photo of Jamie and Ted. And so then that prompts Sam to be furious at Ted and even cuss at him on the, on the field. So then later how Sam, how Ted finds out that Sam's got a supportive father is because when Sam confronts him about it, Ted's like, I told Jamie it wasn't going to happen. 
I told right. Jamie that, you know, that, that this was no. And so Sam is like, okay, good. You know, my dad told me I feel safe with you, everything like that. Yep. And then he, you know, Sam wanders off. Well, then it is the very next scene that Ted gets together with the diamond dogs. And he's like, nope, Sam convinced me that we need to give Jamie another chance. And they start oh, okay. talking about it. And he even, and uh, Beard even says like, he's a poop in a punch bowl, you know, like, and so they, th- that whole thing is sort of being talked about. And then they are up in, it's actually a really funny line that I was going to shout out. Um, when Sharon is like, thank you for the gift basket of, of bottled water. Um, and then Rebecca's like, well, I know you don't eat sugar. And then Keely's like, there's lots of things that don't have sugar besides water. <laughs> really funny line. But um, then they are watching. They are all watching. At the, it's the final moment of episode two. They're all watching from the owner's box, looking down on the field as Jamie makes his way out on the stage. Ted does nothing. He's got his hands in his pockets. There's nothing. Nate sure has uh, a reaction. He has a, a facial reaction. And the final, I think, shot of it is Sam looking back at Ted and shaking his head very much like, you just lied to me, man. Like, you just told me you told him no. And then now here mm-hmm. he is. Um, so, yeah, that is absolutely how episode two ends is uh, Ted brings okay. Jamie back. Yeah, I do love the moment where Ted thinks Sharon is moving closer in the stands. And she really is. <laughs> He's, oh, she's definitely getting closer. And then <laughs> she's like three rows up from where she was. That's like, funny. Oh man, it's really, really funny. Um, that's all my notes on uh, on episode two. Uh, do either of you have anything else? I'm good. I did. I did have one thing. You know, in that encounter that he had with with uh, Doctor Sharon or Doctor Sharon, um, <laughs> he said something. He had a little uh, one of his little, little mini monologues that I feel like it's probably his like that's kind of his like shtick right that's something mm. that he does all the time it seems um when he when he told her about she said she doesn't eat sugar uh because you know she doesn't like what it does to her and he said you know i'm the same way with video games it's something in my life that i really enjoy mm. but then i pretend that preventing myself from having them is somehow making my life better and in reality right. all i'm doing is depriving myself of something that makes me happy instead of a attempting to adjust my relationship to it yeah that that just that kind of made me think i i think that in in uh in evangelical circles especially Mm. um we do a lot of that kind Mm. of thing where where we, we we sort of lack this this sense that if too much of a good thing is a bad thing then any of that good thing probably yes. is also a bad thing too. Right. Yes. You do know you're on the horror you movie know. podcast, right? <laughs> yes. It's so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, but I think, I right. think that's, and, stu- and that's exactly the reason why we, we, you know, avoid things like the horror genre, because like it, it, it to the extent that it can be, you know, harmful or, or exploitative, Mm-hmm. Or, or any of it. I, it's, it's, it's a Pharisee thing. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a new thing. It's, it's setting up additional, uh, walls and, and safeties around yeah. things that, that we're scared of to make sure that, you know, well, I, God said, don't come, don't come this close. So what I'm going to do is make sure that I don't even come that close. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. we and, take it significantly uh, farther. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that was. That was a that was an interesting moment for me that I appreciated there. Yeah, 
makes makes sense makes sense uh nathan you want to take us out of old tv guideposts just put me on the spot i mean i I can do it if you wanted this has been another installment of ted lasso (laughs) season two episode one and two (laughs) i've got to work on my jamie tart impression off pod so that i can do it a bit more nimbly on pod (laughs) tune in next week for episodes three and four of ted lasso season two well, I love I love how I said, "Hey, do you want to take us out of TV guidepost?" And you're like, "Quick, invoke Jamie." And I'm like, oh, yep. "Well, mm-hmm. yep. not quite what I asked, but fine hey, enough." Fine nope, enough. It is yeah. what you asked. Oh, is I it? did it's what important. I accomplished the ask. How <laughs> now? You know, you didn't say, "Will you do a particular version of outro?" You just I said, <laughs> "Will you do an outro?" And <laughs> I said, "Sure." <laughs> you said, "Sure, <laughs> sure." <laughs> Sexual, I yeah. Oh yep. man. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. um, gentlemen, it is time. It is time oh, to, boy. to head over. John, here. let me, let me, let me, let me intro. I outro it. I'm going to intro. So, oh, okay, okay. Do it. I'm sorry. I'm taking, I'm taking your mic away, Reed, for just a second. I'm, you, You're you fine. can <laughs> always have it. You can always have it. I'm just excited. And when I'm excited, I'm a feeler. I'm not a thinker. And, and I have big feelings. And this is a big feelings movie. And it's not a thing I ever would have thought would have entered the radar for what yeah. saves us. Not because, it, oh, it's not valuable and worthy, but just, it just wasn't on my mind. Um, and once I knew that it was in the air, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So I'm kind of over the moon. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, there's, there's no way our actual conversation is going to do justice to the, the, um, <laughs> I keep wanting to use the word you used earlier and I just, it's not going to work for me wow. uh, in any, in any way. <laughs> so, so no, I'm thrilled that we're here. I'm thrilled. We're talking about the princess bride. So one thing we will occasionally do in what saves us is play a recorded version of someone's submission. But in lieu of that, with you being here, um, what we will do instead is just kind of pivot to you. Like when the fear of God throws down the gauntlet and says, Hey listener, um, what film media, et cetera, is saving you now. And the princess bride enters your brain. Like what to you made it a candidate for submission here? Like what's some of your experience with it? what what qualifies it to sort of <laughs> oh, ably man. answer that question so the princess bride is a movie that has been a part of my life for for essentially as far back as i can like really remember mm. um it's been a thing that has been like a constant and i i, I don't mean i i mean almost literally a constant red uh, through my interactions with my mom's side of our family. Mm. When we, when we get together for Thanksgiving, uh, which we, which we do almost every year, then one of, one of three films will be, uh, part of our evening's entertainment. And it's going to be either the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, <laughs> uh, or the great race or the princess bride. Mm. and and the princess bride and uh, obviously my family my immediate family also watched it 
you know, a bunch, you know, in between those times as well. And it's to the point where with probably about 90% accuracy, I could, I could recite to you the entire film. Mm. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much of it that has just entered my family's lexicon of, of things that we say to each other. And as anybody who's, you know, even remotely familiar with it knows, it, it's, it's one of the most quotable movies that, it's that there is. Movie. Easily. Um, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, my, my history with it is, is long and rich. And so my, <laughs> my connection to the, to the what saves us uh, rubric, you know, in, in relation to Princess Bride is, is a little bit meta. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you, if, if you, you know, reviewed my <laughs> submission here recently at all. I, I, feel like I, I might have gone a little bit overly flowery in, <laughs> in what I wrote about it. But you can you never know, be overly flowery, John. There's there are never too many flowers. <laughs> <laughs> the Princess Bride is a film that that absolutely defies easy categorization. Oh absolutely. Yeah. You know, is it is it a romance movie? Is it a fantasy? Is it an adventure? Is it a farce? Yes. It's mm-hmm. all of those things, all at once, all the time, and more. Mm-hmm. And it's the coming of age story, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and it straddles all of those genres with an effortless grace. And so, it, in that way, for me, it kind of typifies sort of way that believers in Christ are called to move through the world mm. as as people who are at once called to 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 be involved in the world and yet also have a sense that there's there's more than this mm. you know there's a, there's another dimension to our existence and and it's and it's higher and, and deeper and, and goes beyond the you know just the the, the stuff that we see yeah and and so like that, <laughs> you know, as someone who who studied philosophy and and enjoys you know thinking deeply about things, sometimes mm. that that sort of I think that kind of uh, it's also indicative of sort of me as a as a person a little bit too that that you know what saves us the Princess Bride why well because of all this genre stuff and then you know this thing about our Christian life too and so yeah anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, if, if anyone was able to really follow that, then, then good on you. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Um, and well, it is worth noting a little little peek behind the curtain. Um, this was the first time that this had happened in Fear of God history is where we had listener submissions. We actually had a, another person who had also submitted Princess Bride. And um, so we were able to, I'm going to pour a cold one out for old Jacob Sane, who also submitted Princess Bride, but Jacob Sane also submitted something else. So we'll be hearing from him later in the, in the uh, season oh, as it were as well. Yeah. On, uh, on something else. Um, but he, the reason I'm bringing it up is because he did mention somewhat comparably to what you talked about. He talked about uh, specifically zoning in on, the fellowship that's in this film and in the, in the what saves us aspect mm. it is the unlikely friendships and the fellowship that grows there. Oh, sure. um, 
he mentioned a couple of other things, but but we'll uh, maybe we'll we'll have like a an opportunity for him to share that to the socials or something because I thought it was really wonderful. But I really wanted to zone in on that in relation to what you were saying as well. I do think it's easy with this film to see because of how heart filled it is. It is, I mean, just completely mm-hmm. and totally saturated with good oh, humor and so goodwill. Earnest. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. so it is easy to see a lot of that optimism, a lot of that hope and well-meaning. Um, and against, uh, I say this, you know, tongue in cheek, inconceivable odds, how everything kind of continues to, to come about. There's a tremendous amount of miraculous things that kind of happen, not the least of which are just mm-hmm. this collection of misfit characters that find each other by the end of this film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so it's really, yeah, it's, it, it's really quite remarkable. I myself remember watching this movie when I was a wee lad. Um, I don't even remember the first time I saw it. I didn't see it in the theater, uh, but I remember watching it on home video and then, Basically, like from that point on, it was just on constant rotation. Like I just, I, I probably wore that VHS <laughs> yeah. tape out. Uh, I mean, I, I loved it so, so much. Um, I actually uh, had either played, I don't think I owned it, but I had played that version of Commodore Baseball that the that he's playing <laughs> at the very beginning. Oh wow! Um, I just, I, I, I loved it so much. You're so, so old. Hey now. Um, so. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just really, I had tremendous affection for it. I agree. It defies simplistic genre classification. But honestly, there are films that I loved as a child that haven't aged very well. This one is one that I really mm. consider very, very oh, evergreen. Man, hold it, up. Yeah, it, it holds up yeah, so remarkably. Like, I, was just, I, was, I was completely swept away. The first, like 20 minutes of the movie, I'm sitting here like trying to watch notes. And I'm like, you know what? I know this movie by heart. I'm just going to enjoy this movie. I'm just going to sit down. And, like I wrote down a few key answers to a few key questions <laughs> that I had in my own mind. And that was it. I was just like, I'm just going to soak this movie in and, 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 uh, and just enjoy the uh, opportunity to get to watch it again. So I, I, I love it so, so much. Um, Nathan, it sounds like you're going to be doing a fair amount of gushing over it as well. Um, you've already done a bit of it. But uh, when, so, so. did you just... Did you see it as a child as well, like the rest of us? Um, I mean, at some point, I I, I mm. would not be able to tell you uh, even a real era. Although presumably, like I didn't see it in theater. Um, it came out in eighty. When did it come out? Eighty seven. Uh, eighty seven, I believe. Yeah, I want to say eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, then eighty seven, we will declare. It is eighty seven. Uh, confirmed. Okay. See, I'm always right. Um. <laughs> So, so no, didn't see it in theater and this, these are not comparable films except insofar as their impression on my young mind, princess bride is in the same sort of era and category as Wee's big adventure for me of just one of those like touchstones of pop culture experience sure. as a young person. And I've returned to it off and on over the years. I mean, my kids have seen it, you know, when they were first entering kind of movie watching era. And I remember, I think Reed saying something like this, watching the sixth sense, but rewatching this film this time. And honestly, the, uh, the trip where on we watched strangers Two, um, or the second strangers is when I watched princess bride by myself on a plane mm. and I was like, this might be a perfect movie. Like it's darn close. Like, if it's not. Right. Like yeah. it, it, 
it's weird to because I was about to actually backpedal a little bit. So I was like, well, it's no Citizen Kane or anything. I mean, sure. But I think we often downplay because it's during our lifetime, as it were, significance mm-hmm. in in culture. And I mean, John, we're not going to do this. So this is not you on this being you're not going to be put on the spot on this, but like we did on Salem's lot, like we did read and I did previously on something wicked this way comes in a desire to sort of think through what are some fun approaches to talking about the film, then the idea at least of, Hey, if you were to cast this now, how might you cast it? And I was like, this is, that's almost heretical. Like (laughs) this is so like airtight from a casting standpoint, from a writing standpoint, from Mm -hmm. a, um, you know, you can complain all day about, oh, well, is that rock Andre's holding really a rock? Who cares? Like it all <laughs> is near perfect, if not perfect. If I have any yeah. quibble, I'm not going to camp out here. If I have any quibble, I wish just as a dad of three daughters, I wish Buttercup had a little more to do. Uh, but, you know, even then I can forgive it for that. But I don't know. I was really, yeah, <laughs> this, this is going to sound Oh, this won't sound extreme. It's me. I just said I'm a feeler, not a thinker. There were moments in this movie watching it this time by myself, just zoned in where I would get teary. Just like, this is mm-hmm. so beautiful. Like it is. Mm. I, I will share this little story with you guys. My, my wife and I have a very full life and in the more busy aspect of the meaning, not exactly the uh, thriving aspect of the meaning if that lands mm-hmm. for anyone and and just the other night my I, I i know you experienced fullness of life in the busy aspect john uh, uh given recent events in your own home but my mm-hmm. wife and i she she had just had a really hard day and i always come back to this uh fellowship of the ring quote like butter scraped over too much bread this is how this mm-hmm. my my wife was sounding to me just just a lot, just a lot on the plate. And, and, you know, she is not necessarily a person who consumes a lot of media for fun. And so, so this will make a little sense, but, but in this conversation, she was, I think she'd be okay with me sharing this. She was like, I kind of miss magic (laughs) and, and it really broke my heart. Um, and even the next day I texted her and I was like, wishing for you to seek and find some magic in your day, uh, even if it's a mundane version of it. And, and where I'm going with this is there's so many things we do because there are, they are things that have to be done. And sometimes things that have to be done are watching movies or Ted Lasso for the fear of God. And then there are also times when you do things because they remind you not meaning to tie this back into six cents that some magic is real. And I watch this fricking movie and I'm like, mm. some magic is real, man. And yeah. whatever Reiner and Goldman were smoking, they channeled it into this film. Yeah. It is like, it is like an impermeable gift <laughs> to uh, not just pop culture fans, but I think to people who, who, who buy into these notions of, steadfast friendship and uh not the schmaltzy version but the truest version of true love like these are powerful totems of storytelling and they nail it at every turn in this film 
Anyway, no. sorry. This is my experience with no. the princess. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Well, I remember when yeah. we had our friend totally. Keith on to talk about Rocky, and he said at one point in there that that was an opportunity. They're all really talented people, but that's an opportunity for them to get together and do the best work of their lives. And I think for some of the people on Princess Bride, maybe yeah. for most of them, this was probably the, I mean, Mandy Patinkin said it is his favorite thing he ever did. Andre the Giant had cited yeah. for years that he loved being on that because he said when he was on set there, people didn't look at him like he was an oddity. They treated him like one of the actors, one of the troops, and that he expressed at least to the rest of the cast and crew. Yeah, that's and, true. And outside that, that was a really refreshing experience for him because everywhere he went, he was an oddity, as it were. Mm. And um, and so you know, yeah. and if you've never had the chance, listeners, if you've never had the chance to read Carrie Elway's um, mem- uh, like memoir of the making of Princess Bride, which is called mm. As You yeah. Wish, it is that's cool. wonderful. And if you are an audiobook listener and it's in the car, so a lot, delightful. Listen to him read the audiobook because it is man, it is it is, is outstanding. It is I, I don't I don't know that if I if I even knew that existed. Is it his own life slash career memoir, or it's uniquely about? It's uniquely the to the Princess Bride. There's like huh. flurries here and there of things that he did elsewhere, yeah. but it is a book about his time on the Princess Bride, and um, it's remarkable. He, as many in the production did, yeah. oh, it's will, so good. It's wonderful. It's so wonderful. Um, as many people during the production and after the production did, he heaps a mountain of praise upon Andre the Giant. Like everybody just adored that man. Um, and yeah. then there's just there was just such a warmth to it all. A lot of that is Reiner's presence. Reiner just being the kind of director he is. Yeah. Most people have that to say about working with Rob Reiner, that he was just he's a warm presence. He's mm-hmm. genuinely and effortlessly funny. And just creates a set you enjoy being on, and creates an environment that you enjoy working in, and um, and so yeah, it's if it, 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 if if you're a fan of this film at all, like even if you just recently saw it for the first time in your life and oh, kind of liked it. it, yeah, seek out as you, you wish it. by Carrie was it's it's wonderful, it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, well, before we get into some more, I mean, we can, can that talk- yeah, get us into some trivial bits. Oh, please do, yeah, by all means, Cause, absolutely. Cause there, because like that book. That book is like the trivial bit Bible for oh, yeah. the Princess Bride, and and one of my favorite things that I I actually so I reread um, I reread the novel of the Princess Bride in preparation for oh, this, wow. and I also and I also reread As You Wish mm. in preparation for this, and I did not watch the movie in preparation for this <laughs> because oh, wow. again, like I just. I just, I just know it's it. Thanksgiving's coming. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. that's right. That's right. It is. Um, and, and one of my favorite things that I, that I picked up on, you know, in this reread of, as you wish that I had forgotten uh, from a previous reading was when Andre the giant was in school mm. at age 12, he mm. was already six foot five and yeah. 250 pounds. Yeah. And so he physically could not fit into the school bus that, that was, you know, that, that would take the other students to, to his school. And so um, there was a portion of his life where he got rides to school from a noted um, American writer, Samuel Beckett. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's who, right who was living in France at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and, and, and lived in his neighborhood. And so he would take Andre to the, to the school in his convertible. Wow. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. Wild. Yeah. One of my favorite bits of trivia about this, and it's pretty widely shared at this point, but I think it might've come from as you wish as well. Um, is that Robin Wright would get cold on set. She would, you know, just, it, it was, it was a little chilly. And when she right. would get cold, like on their night shoots, or especially when they were filming the scene with the shrieking eels and she had to be wet for part of the scene, uh, you know, cause she had been completely submerged mm-hmm. in water. Andre, the giant would place his hand on her head and it would cover nearly her entire head and it would help warm her up. And I just thought that was so sweet. Like, he would just gently place his hand so on cute. her head and that, that would like warm her. I'm going to start doing that. Up. Do you read when you tell me you're cold? Yeah. You know, a small, um, you know, <laughs> as I'm visualizing it's almost the it, same kind of like, proportion going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. John got the joke. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, uh, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this movie. Right. All right. Let's, let's do this movie. Right. Uh, in fact, let's get into the segment where we talk about not only what is right about it, but what is so right about it. Take us away, Andrew. That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. That's just so right. It's just so right. All right. So um, we we prepped for this a little bit beforehand. Um, we're going to do that. So right a little bit differently. Uh, and John, I'm going to put you on deck cause you're going to go first. Okay. Yeah. I'll set up what we're about to do and then, uh, and then I'll pivot <laughs> to you. So, um, the, we are going to, cause this film is just full of so many things that are just so right. We decided beforehand, we're going to mention our favorite character, our favorite scene and our favorite line of dialogue. So, um, John, yeah. I'm going to let you uh, deliver all three of those, your choices for each of those categories. Uh, take it away, sir. All right. So I think my, my scene and dialogue uh, overlap, and, uh, mm. and we'll get to, get to that for a sec- in a second. Um, man, I think, I think my favorite character is the grandfather. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. It's just so there's there's a there's something and and actually so you did you did send me those and so i was aware of that setup but i actually was so busy today that i that i neglected to uh to substantively actually prepare uh those things (laughs) sure sure but it's again again like i know this movie so i can i can pull it out um there's there's a little bit of something about him it's sort of the platonic form of a grandfather you know like mm. like when i when i think about peter falk's performance there there's there's things about his physicality and his the way that he interacts with the boy that just absolutely i can map stuff from my dad's dad onto that so easily mm. And, and I can think about times when, you know, he just sort of called me out on something I was saying that was silly, like, like the grandfather does when he tells the boy, well, who says it's supposed to be fair? You know, where's that? Written? Right. Right. Uh, mm. Or, you know, like, why do you expect anyone to kill Humperdinck? Like, that's, that's not how the story goes. And so, like, 
that there's just so much that is that is just so right about <laughs> about who the grandfather is uh, in relationship to that boy. Mm. It's lovely. And and that must not be forgotten, just yes anding your your observation there. That must not be forgotten that as much as this film is about the fantasy characters and that it is as as much about that grandfather yeah. telling his grandson this story. And and because you have not yet cited your favorite scene and line, I will reserve except just to say that the grandfather might have one of the strong it's one of the strongest lines in the film. And I won't cite what it is in case it's yours, but it's one of the strongest lines in the film. And uh, okay, and it's 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 perhaps the best payoff that this film could have possibly had when he says after his uh, son, after his grandson says, maybe you can come read me, read it to me again tomorrow. And yeah. he just looks at him and says, as you wish. That is one of the most perfect payoffs yeah. in any film I have ever seen. It's just it's beautiful. But sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. Go ahead with your scene and dialogue. Okay, so then. So also Jackson slightly scooped the the second uh, fog history making moment that I was that I was hoping to have. Oh no! In that he he said you know you did a you did a that so right, and then you also did a that eat right afterwards. Ah, that's but, right. But what what I am what I am going to. Uh, nevertheless be able to to do for the first time in fear of god history okay is a simultaneous <gasps> that ain't right that's so right get your pen stephen beckley <laughs> here it is and it's it's less it's actually not so much a line as it is a passage and it ah. to the pain mm-hmm because the way that he delivers that entire little passage and the way it culminates with the drop your sword. Oh man. So great. So So right. Oh, and simultaneously (laughs) the, the, the horrors that he is promising to visit upon this man just, Ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> fully agree. <laughs> I fully agree, man. That to the pain speech. So, incredible. yeah, that's awesome. No, that's fantastic. So, I think that 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 will that will be a simultaneous. That ain't right. So right, and also my simultaneous favorite uh, dialogue, favorite scene. That's awesome. That's really fantastic, Nathan. What you what you got for us? Favorite character and favorite scene and favorite line of dialogue. Like you're asking me to pick my favorite child. This is an impossible task. I get um, it. <laughs> so I got, I do got it before I answer this question. I do got to jump in there because you, you, you both identified the grandfather and, and the grandfather is not on my lists here. But when we're talking about the magic of this film, I don't think you can separate or rather it is not incidental that it is a at the time modern narrative structure that is layered in with the fantastic story right of the princess bride in other words if you were to just if you were to i think the frame, I think it is a, the, I think it's, the storytelling yeah. yes i think it's a lesser it's a lesser piece without the grandfather and this and the grandson in it absolutely um, like if you were to just do this narrative oh, kind absolutely. of fantasy story and 
you know, and we can, there, there are places you can go with that. So, but that's a comment for, for, for now, you know, I actually went back and forth on this and because I thought one of you, I, I, I wasn't sure who would pick him. So I didn't pick who might be my other favorite, but, but honestly, I think for character, um, it might be Wesley. Uh, slash Dread Pirate Roberts. Um, Roberts, My my impulse might have been uh, um, Inigo, but but I did leave him on the table. Um, I mean, I just, I I think, like I said, this time around, the viewing, dialing much more deeply into what's at work. I love the stuff we don't get on screen, (laughs) which is the the work Wesley has done to come back like the, that story, Mm. that story Mm. is interesting to me, not because I want to watch it, but because it's mysterious. And, and because the fact that he is back in this tale signals so much about him as a character. Mm. And, and I love the mystique of what we haven't been privy to, but beyond all that, I mean, he's, I mean, come on, he's like, (laughs) He's like 1987's Dan Stevens, you know. Who's cooler He's just, than that? Oh, oh nobody's man. cooler than that. Yeah. Not, at least, least way is not in 1987, and he looks damn good in black too. He's That's like right. Roy Kent. He's like Roy <laughs> Kent up in whatever the the land is they're in. Um, oh, but yeah, I, I love the character. He is, as uh, Vicini declares, um, he is strong. He is studied, mm-hmm. um, and I love. I forgot mm-hmm. this even happened. Uh, and it's one of those blink and you miss it type of moments. I love at the end when they are standing in the the window frame. Uh, yeah. He and Inigo, the last two before they depart. And he just says, have you ever considered piracy? You make a great Dread Pirate Roberts. I just loved that. I loved it. I totally forgot it was in there. Um, but it just gives, <laughs> you know, it's the sequel I don't want, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. imaginative, the imaginative seed that's planted there. So, so my pick is Wesley slash dread pirate Roberts. That's awesome. What is your, um, Oh, scene right. And, and, and your line of dialogue. Answer yeah. Um, my favorite scene in a movie that is literally a list of favorite scenes. <laughs> True. Right. It's, it's the sword fight. Um, with, uh, Inigo. The sword fight, magnificent. The the sword fight that, as our read, our mutual peer Keith Gusty would identify this and Duel, I believe, was the other film, are cited as the best sword fight ever put to screen. Um, Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. impeccably choreographed. It is incredibly performed. It is magnificently scripted. It is hysterical. It is hysterical. And it happens so, so beautifully and so fast. What this isn't, uh, one of my favorite, uh, this, this was not my answer for favorite line or scripting, but it's buried in the scene. And so I used it as a cheat. I love, I love late in the fight when Inigo, he says, who are you? I'm no one of consequence. I must know. I'll get used to disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the way, the way the two of them deliver each of those lines is hysterical. Mandy Patinkin's final. Okay. In that moment is just, it's beautiful. It is is just a fabulous (laughs) bit of, uh, a bit of performance. Oh, it's Um, wonderful. 
my so can my, I can I yeah. interrupt you for just a second then yeah. Nathan because of it. that moment so I I recently joined a uh, Princess Bride Christian memes group on Facebook. oh boy wow <laughs> That's, there's and, some layers and <laughs> some of <laughs> some of them are not amazing and some of them are hysterical and one of the good ones was was based on that moment. Uh, where the two parties are me and the author of Hebrews. Okay. Okay. It took a minute. Yes. Took me a minute. I was like, wait, so, what? <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Who are you? I, I would, get used I would to sooner that. destroy a stained glass window as an artist like yourself. What a friggin' fantastic yeah. airtight script. Oh, you cannot criticize the script. Yeah, and so oh, as my good. last, what? I'm sorry. Re- what, Reed? Well, no, heaping some more love on the scene is the setup to the scene like it's not it's oh, not yeah. my choice for scene but the setup yeah. the, these two men who are about to kill each other but they share this almost intimate moment of inigo telling him his life story and the oh, six yeah. finger man. Oh, yeah and and yeah. it's just it's so wonderful and then i love and i noted this yes the sword fight i noted this in this viewing specifically although i'm sure i'd, I'd paid attention to it before but the, the buildup to that sword fight is really incredible. Like, you know, they're going to fight, you know, they're going to fight, you know, they're going to fight. And then like mm-hmm. when they set up the music, just like hums for a minute as they stand there. And mm-hmm. then you dun, 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 like every yeah. sort of sword. Class. Yeah. The Mickey mousing oh, of the, cl- of the sword. Man, yeah, it was just, so it was, it's really, really wonderful. And the, and the, and the sword fight really pays off. So, sorry, go ahead, Nathan, your, your line, your, uh, your favorite line. of dialogue. So, um, this was a runner up just because okay. it made me laugh out loud on a plane under a mask, which is just all kinds of layers there too. Um, but I love the line where uh, Wesley has bested Inigo and now he is coming into conflict with uh, Fezzik and, <laughs> and Fezzik encourages him. He tells him he's going to put his bolt, his rock down and, and encourages Wesley to put his sword down. He's, you mean you put down your rock and I'll put down my sword and we'll try to kill each other like civilized people. <laughs> just a, just a really, I mean, in a movie dripping with clever, it, it really does uh, represent a lot there. But honestly, uh, uh, if I had to pick a best line or scripting is how I chose to interpret this because uh, there's always nuance. But it's so simple. All I have to do is divine from what I know of you. Are you the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet yeah. or his enemies? <laughs> now, a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. And I am not a great fool. So I can clearly not he, choose the wine in front of you. I could, I could, I could, right I could, but I'm not, but I'm not. I, 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 I did. I did screenshot the whole script. I went and looked up the script specifically for the entire piece. Maybe, maybe as a B side, I will just read and I will do that scene back and forth. That'd be amazing. But no, the entire Vicini and Wesley encounter is is such a masterful bit of scripting. (laughs) Right, one of the world's greatest blunders, classic blunders. It really is. It's it's magnificent. It is like you have a virtue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What what's that over there? (laughs) Uh, It is virtuosic. Uh, if if that's a applicable use of that word there, uh, from a performance and from a scripting standpoint and it's just two people in dialogue it's yeah. it's magic that's awesome no that's so awesome i've i've seen that i've seen a writing uh professors use that scene 
as an exercise for their students in identifying logical fallacies. Hmm. Interesting. Like they go, like go through, go through Vizzini's dialogue and identify the logical fallacies that he commits. Hmm. Uh, That's hysterical. As he, as he's, as he's doing his reasoning, trying to so, do his yeah, dizzying so intellect. Um, yeah. So, um, what about you, Reed? What about me? Um, okay, so <laughs> I will I will start with favorite character because I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna kind of run the gamut and hit a hit a few different things. So my my favorite character, um, which I uh, there's really no contest, and maybe some of this is meta affection outside of the Princess Bride the film, but my favorite character is Fezzik, and um, the meta affection is probably because I you know grew up watching wrestling and Andre the giant as a wrestling presence yeah, in the cool. early eighties was, was really a big deal. And so then this movie and, and, and how he, but as a character insulated of himself, how he is in this movie is just outstanding. I mean, he, he has some mm-hmm. tremendous comedic timing. I mean, some really incredible, like I own the dog puddle. It's like, it's really, really fun. <laughs> it's really fantastic. <laughs> and then um, on top of that, you have the gentle spirit that he has, like, you know, he, my yeah. way is not very sportsmanlike, you know, like he has a kind of a, you know, <laughs> gentleness to it. He's very loyal as a friend. He's, he, he, it says that he nurses Inigo back to health, you yes. know, like that's it, like, there's a sweetness to, to him. Um, and then I love when he's like, when he's coming out of Max and, and he's had the cloak and he's like, if it's so nice, I, uh, he said I could keep it, you know, like, it's, just, <laughs> it's so like, it's just it's so good. It's just amazing. But, um, so, so that is, are you about to leave Fezzing? Uh, I was going to mention culminating in the okay, g- glorious him posing as dread pirate Roberts and is like, I am here. You are here. <laughs> Or is it soon? I am the dread pirate Robert. You will not be here. There will be no survivors. I'm here for your soul. So delightful. I do want to throw out my favorite Fezzing moment. And I do think, Reed, you, you, you at least alluded to, and I think the overarching sentiment of what we've been trying to describe as well, uh, um, Lynn's credence here is just the kind of the tenderness of the whole enterprise. Mm, and right. a moment that really moved me this time was, I think I'm placing this correctly in sequence is, uh, yeah, it's when Inigo is on a bender after losing everything. And you think they've, it's the first time I think that you see Fezzik post his encounter with the man in black or with Dread Pirate Roberts, Wesley. And he bonks the dude on the head. And I think that's what happens there. But (laughs) drunken at the end of his rope thinks he's lost all access to his purpose and mission Inigo looks up and the, the the tinkling lovely music i think starts in and he sees fezzik mm-hmm. and he just says it's you and then fezzik returns the favor and says it's you it is oh, a beautiful no, moment no he doesn't say it's you oh i'm sorry nathan that's lovely but that's not what he says. what okay. does he say Hinigo says it's you and Fezzik says true because oh. he's continuing the rhyme game from earlier. That's huh. even better. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's even yeah, that's so even much better. for beauty in the world. 
No, 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 no. It's even better. I mean, that was really lovely, Nathan. I like that idea, but unfortunately. Oh, it's all good. But even no, it's it's fantastic because like that's that's part of their little banter of affection to each other. No more rhymes now. I mean it. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a peanut. (laughs) Like it's just oh, it's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Um so so Fezzik's my favorite character. Um, my favorite scene is Miracle Max. Oh my god. Oh wow. Like ev- All right. Everything everything about Miracle Max <laughs> is my is my favorite scene. Um that is the scene I keep coming back to. It is the scene that caused actual physical damage on set. Uh Mandy Patinkin bruised ribs from stifling laughter at yes. Billy Crystal on on set. Um and you can even you can even see it. They said there was one yep. take that was almost ruined, but Mandy Patinkin held it together enough in the film when he said this is noble, sir. You can see, you can, and if you're watching for it, you can see him physically fighting laughter. He's like, That's this funny. is noble, sir. And he's like really fighting back laugh. Um, but, the, but no, I, I just love Miracle Max and that liar, liar. You know, everything about that, that whole, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. Yeah, but after what so you just good. said, I'm not even sure I want to be that anymore. You never had it so good. So, yeah. um, no, I just, I <laughs> keep going. Yeah. I just, Get it out of your system. I love everything about that scene. That scene is, is, and, uh, I still probably the main aspect of Princess Bride that still makes its way regularly in my vernacular is if I'm wanting to sarcastically wish somebody good luck. Um, but sarcastically, not actually sincerely, I will say have fun storming the castle. Um, so like usually at work when somebody is very frustrated with me and they're like, I'm going to go do this. And I'm like, have fun storming the castle. (laughs) Like that's going to be about it. Um, so yeah, Miracle Max (laughs) is my favorite scene. And then, uh, my favorite line, and I really wrestle with this because there's a tremendous amount of loveliness. And this is the one line that kind of edges into some darkness, but still has a real power and potency to it is. Um, and, and, and I know this is going to probably strike as surprising is like, this is one of my favorite lines uh, just because of what it means to the character um, and what it costs the character to do it um, is when um, he said, you know, promise me, promise me riches, Inigo Montoya, you know, oh, following, yeah. following all the things he says, promise me, promise me riches, promise me, you know, wealth, everything. And then uh, the six fingered man, uh, call, uh, Rugen, uh, is, uh, is sitting there and he's like, he's like everything, all that I have and more, please. And, and he says, promise me everything I ask for. And I think at least this viewing, this is the one that I wrote down for it. The top of my list, my favorite line, I will cite it and then I'll bleep it. But my favorite line is he said, give me everything I, uh, whatever I ask for. And he says, um, you know, yes, please. What, what do you want? And he says, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And, and then just bam, just rams him through, transacts his revenge and what it cost the character and the catharsis for that character. 20 years and he was starting to lose confidence and, uh, and so much. You know, power so much, uh, everything uh, uh, about that line. I just, I really, really love what that led to because when he thought Wesley was going to kill him, he was in despair. Wesley didn't kill him. And then when uh, uh, the Rugen catches him with the dagger, the first thing he says is, I'm sorry, father. Like, like it's, uh, or I don't know if that's his exact line, but he just, the first thing he says is just, he apologizes to his dad for failing. Mm-hmm. So when he finally uh, comes through on that, it's just, yeah, that's uh, so, so that is 
so right for me. You know, it's, it's, it's no surprise that that, that that line should be full of all kinds of pathos because as you read, probably recall from, from reading as you wish, mm-hmm. uh, his Potemkin's sort of source for that, for all the emotion in that scene was his, was his anger and frustration over having lost his father to cancer mm-hmm. uh, very, very shortly uh, before the movie started filming. And, and he, he, when he spoke that line, he was speaking it to his father's cancer. Yeah. Oh man. No, absolutely. That's, that's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. And so, uh, yeah, there's lots of more humorous moments. There's more lighthearted moments, but I wanted to uh, shine a light and hang a lantern on uh, probably one of the only truly like, Oh, like painful moments, but, it, but it's a good, it's mm. a good pain. It's a, it's a, it a cathartic, you Stop know, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> such a great scene yeah so um all right so that's going to tie off our that's so right segment and take us into the last leg of our conversation so take us out andrew that's just so right all right plato uh, aristotle socrates morons <laughs> Moron. <laughs> Do you know what I forgot watching through this? What did you the first forget? Oh, man. I've seen this movie a billion times, probably. And uh, or at least it feels that way. And I had forgotten uh, that uh, Humperdinck hires Vicini. I had just forgotten that little yeah. note. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had forgotten that touch. Um, I remembered, you know, most of the plot beats and everything. But when he We're mentions a as a throwaway. band of circus performers, whatever oh, he says there. Yeah. But it's just I was like, oh, I had forgotten that. I forgot that he. Hired yeah, it's it's a pretty layered narrative. Like if you're trying to track yeah, what's going on in the story. OK. Yeah. OK, good. Let's talk about the layers of the narrative for a second, because the book has a completely different framing device. Really? Mm. Yeah. Oh, dude. The book is pretty, it's a little bit twisty. So I'm going to try and remember it correctly and and read. Maybe you can help me. Okay. So in the book, so the conceit of the novel, The Princess Bride, is that it is not written by William Goldman. It is rather an adaptation of a completely separate work by this fictional author called S. Morgenstern. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. And, and it doesn't, th- th- this, other, this other volume does not in fact exist. But no, it's all a construct the, of Goldman's. The, the novel, yeah, the novel is, is totally shot through with little uh, uh, meta-narrative asides from Goldman about what he has excised from the original work. And, oh, that's right. And, that's right. And why why it works better, you know, to not have like 13 pages full of a description of like these Florianese like dance parties and 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 like festivals and and like the courtly intrigue of yada yada. Sure. And and but then like the funny Okay, I'm, I'm just not going to get any further into it. But like, <laughs> the this is I think this is a rare instance in which the the film may actually be better than the book. 
I agree with that wholeheartedly. I read the book. So like, to, to further your point, I read the book when I was in high school. I barely remember it. Like this film is indelible, yeah. but I barely remember the book. <laughs> okay. So I read the book when I was in probably actually like late elementary school. Oh, okay. And the one thing that I remember from that I distinctly, I, 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 it's so bizarre to me that I had such a, such a distinct memory of the book, the, the passage that was distinct in the book and wasn't in the movie was actually one of the S. Morgenstern asides from the, his novel that Goldman left in about <laughs> how he says, and it, it comes uh, as Wesley and Buttercup have been reunited and they're at the bottom of the ravine. And he, he skips, you know, most of what in the book, the, the exchange that they have of like, you know, why didn't you wait for me? You know, you were dead. Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. That mm. is not in the book. Mm. Mm -hmm. And in the book, uh, Morgan Stern says, at this point, my wife feels violently cheated that we don't have you know, yada, yada, and, and on it wow. goes. But that phrase, at this point, my wife feels violently cheated, <laughs> was, was bizarrely a phrase that, like, literally just, like, stuck in my memory about the book. And that was the only thing that I could distinctly remember, you know, from wow. having read the novel. But, um, yeah. but there's, there's a lot in the book that goes, like, Physic and Inigo... Mm -hmm. are, are, are fleshed out to a far, far greater degree in the mm. book. I did recall and, and that, that some is, of those characters are more impactful. Yeah. 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 And that is a strength of the book. But there's also some really weird stuff in the book. Mm. And, and, and uh, Nathan, you mentioned, you know, wishing that Buttercup had more to do, like, in the, like, and, and so at the beginning of the movie, she's a little bit of a brat. But through the whole book, she's a little bit dumb. <laughs> like, no, like that's you're not making a case for this book. <laughs> well, and and honestly, like you know, if it, I I think the best way to engage with the material really is primarily through the film. Um, mm -hmm. and the, if, if, and if you love the film, the book is absolutely worthwhile, but there mm -hmm. are some, there are a couple of, of puzzling choices and the, the, the vapidness of buttercup in the, in the book is, is definitely one of them. Interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's an intensely layered and, and at times really meta, uh, experience, uh, the, fascinating the, the reading the book is. Yeah. Well, it, and, it, and that it's even super, it's wild. Yeah. And even you know, like to pivot us back into the film like that, even like w one of the things, and this would be the part of the show where we would, you know, sort of wrangle down some thematic conversations. We've already been, you know, singing the praises of the film for a little while, but um, talking about that meta aspect, like one of my most affectionate things towards this film is in fact, the thing that you cited, John, that, like the grandfather and the story with the whole grandfather and son. I love earlier in the in the film where he breaks in a little bit more, where he's just like, you know, she doesn't get eaten by the eels at this time. Like, you know, <laughs> you looked a little worried. Um, 
and uh, and so much about it. But I also just love the little subtle touches, like halfway through the film uh, when they break in and you see that they've got sandwiches. So it's just it points to yeah. all of these other mm-hmm. things that are happening. Time is the, passing. Exactly. Yes. And uh, and I find that really and truly very lovely. Um, but I think one of the things that to me, if I were going to offer something substantive to contribute to theme and, and honestly don't have a tremendous amount to say about it is actually the line that you had just cited there, John, that was in the film, but not in the book yeah. of, you know, yeah. death can't death can't stop true love. It can only delay it a little while. This is a, this is not a line from the princess bride, but I think about it and it's going to reflect and enhance my f- affection and feeling about the line from The Princess Bride, just writ large. There's a line from an old Twilight Zone episode that I used to love. The episode was scripted by Charles Beaumont, and the line just simply says, nothing's impossible. Some things are just less likely than others. And mm-hmm. you had said, yes, he said, um, nothing's impossible. Some things are just less likely than others. I like that. And I, and, and I just think it's a really powerful sentiment. And uh, Nathan... You had expressed earlier uh, a, a, a story from your personal world. Just, I hope you get a little magic in your day. I hope there's a little yeah. magic in your day. And what I love so much about the spirit of this film, and what I love so much reflecting back, and this is a series on what saves us, but what I love so much about that is that is is a prospect so audacious as to say, yeah. death, death cannot stop true love. Mm-hmm. At best, it can delay it. But it cannot stop mm-hmm. it. And and the power of that kind of magic and the power of that kind of of, of spirit is uh, is something that is really like a very uplifting and 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 I think much needed sentiment um to to introduce a bit of magic into your imagination. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's nothing that can stop true love. At best, things can stand yeah. in the way temporarily. But yeah. uh, and so I just love that. Yeah, that line was my Easter tweet a couple of years ago. Mm, that is nice. <laughs> I like that quite a bit. That's so like right. That quite a bit. That is so right. <laughs> and I think that's something that we can easily lose sight of a lot of times. I mean, we don't have to, um, you know, we don't we don't have to absolutely, you know, run these things to ground. But I would, you know, mm-hmm. I'll say this, and then I'll invite thoughts from you, Nathan, you, John, either one. But um, just. That's a much that's a much needed truth, I believe, in this time is that I we talk a lot on this show about how I deeply believe I, I express it, but I think it is true of the world that um, darkness is not more powerful than light. I think that is a, mm-hmm. a fundamental tenet in no, regardless of what it looks like around you, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 I think this film has as its heartbeat, you know, that kind of uh, nothing's impossible. Again, that's invoking twilight zone but you know nothing's impossible kind of vibe and even death cannot stop true love and i think those kinds of things are really in the heartbeat of this film and i think that's a much needed uh like i said injection into the imagination uh for for times like these i invite thoughts gentlemen uh, uh, you know something that that uh, sorry nathan uh okay. something that uh that sort of occurred to me to think about in this uh, sort of review of the material is like so we're kind of just taking their love at face value and, and for granted, right? Because, because the, 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 the film doesn't really 
give us a like a substantive foundation for their relationship mm-hmm. like at all <laughs> mm. like yeah like okay they're both attractive and apparently they're alone on this farm yeah i don't know like, who else lives there but boy like yeah. in, in the book in the book her parents are there mm-hmm. but Awkward. uh <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. it's like the pool um, boy you know (laughs) but yeah like why why do we take this seriously as a love story like i feel like the answer is just (laughs) because we just do (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like we're just it's it's so like well and obviously there's that you know the action that that wesley undertakes you know to to be with her and the the lengths to which he will go to 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 save her and and so on so there's that yes fine mm-hmm. um but like on an actual like relational level between two people like there's really not a lot there but like again like this film is so freaking earnest mm-hmm. that like it doesn't even matter yeah you know yeah well what if, were you I, can, say if yeah. I can jump in there i think that you make a fair note there i, I for me and this okay, is why good. I said tell it, me why i'm wrong oh no 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 no, no. That's, that, that's not <laughs> don't, don't hear that but that's also no, no, why I earlier i said the 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 film doesn't work without grandpa and grandson because yes they're not in, they're not interested in naturalism and right and it's funny reed when you were talking about this a minute ago it reminded me of our conversation about moulin rouge which you are still utterly wrong about but i will give you (laughs) i will give you the i will give you at least the nod towards okay i understand what you were saying in terms of your criticism there whereas i think a lot about this and this is going to come up on our 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 conversation next week read but to to give slight spoiler for that um years ago and and some of my philip yancey readings and this has stayed with me over mm. the 20 20 years hence having read it he identifies that um the things that point him to god are uh, uh, uh the natural world music and romantic love and i do think I do think what's fascinating to me about this movie, because there's a world where you could say, oh, it's just flowery and, and Reed, I am putting words in your mouth here about Moulin Rouge, but the, the sentiment in my memory is more of a, an unearned perhaps a, expression of love. And, and what mm-hmm. I think is so powerful about Princess Bride is however, sort of yada yada, they do the relationship on the front end, which I can sort of embrace from a fantastical standpoint where wesley and buttercup reconnect is very much earned it it is yes it is a pursuit on his part it is a grieving Mm -hmm. on her part having not understood the full nature of the circumstance meaning he isn't actually dead um you know there there is very much an earned capacity here and i just when i'm sitting on a plane amidst a bunch of strangers and being moved near to tears at various moments of this movie mm-hmm. like because of the because because i personally i think it's too reductive 
um, we culturally have too uh, belittled romantic love. Mm-hmm. And what's powerful mm-hmm. to me is it is a reminder that because all three of us are, are are in committed marital relationships and it's an experience like watching this movie this time for me which inadvertently dovetailed into this conversation i had with my wife the other night was this reminder that we can be makers of magic for those we love mm. Mm. does that make sense like we yeah. can yeah there's there's so much a sense often culturally and yes i occasionally paint with too broad a brush of like it's all about what we're getting what we're receiving uh, how we feel in response to a set of circumstances forgetting that my god you know we are as much makers and architects of magic and love in our lives as we sometimes Mm -hmm want to take out of the world right like like mm-hmm. we are as we are as capable of putting that in yeah and and i think i think we we grossly neglect that i'll say it responsibility mm-hmm. um you know and and anyway i don't know i just just something that just so kind of fired i want you there. to can you can you tease that out for me a little bit more because you said that you said that you think our culture has like denigrated or, or or not paid enough attention to the concept of romantic love and i feel like i feel like there's a sense in which like rom- romantic love has been like elevated to an unhealthy level or mm-hmm. are you talking and, and maybe maybe you brought it back around uh, you know in the end and i just need, sort of need to reflect on that more and you're saying you're you're talking more about the less about the the infatuation and the the hollywood love kind of kind of thing that we see all over the place and more about the 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 long term you know it's less about the the magic of of how this person makes me feel in in this first blush of <laughs> of, well, of love and more about uh how can i infuse magic into this person's life because i am committed to to them and and to their best is that sure you effectively got you effectively got there and and honestly what i'm i don't know if you listened to our movie conversation but i did uh, i i awesome and and (laughs) you know read not unfairly so and and i will give you that not unfairly so kind of critiqued the christian satine dynamic and the word we kind of landed at was was perhaps immature that the the love there though big in its expression has a lack of maturity to it that we might right. crave or want or expect uh, uh to be a more responsible version of that and so what i'm saying is princess bride provides this interesting counterpoint in my current sort of conception of it uh mm. that this is an earned there is a maturity there is a looking forward for these two characters they have mm-hmm. gone through the the yep. fire swamp metaphorically and literally mm-hmm. um and are able and and so that ultimately my takeaway personally was as i apply it in my own prism is romantic love and and the the note i was making about cultural sweeping statements was I think what we often 
uh, the, the genre of the rom-com is often just fluffy mm-hmm. candy. It's not earned, mature, yeah. self-giving expressions of intentional magic making in the life of another person. Okay, and I think right. this, this movie gives a glimpse of that. At least it did for me this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I would echo, okay. I mean, because in, in contrast to how I felt about Christian and Satine, there is a scene in Princess Bride. It, it walks up right up to the edge of what I experienced with Christian and Satine, but it doesn't play out the same way. And that's when he is still, when Wesley is still being Dread Pirate Roberts and then is testing her of like, you know, like he even, you know, acts like he's going to strike her at one point, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that would edge right up to the moment, the, the, a major difference there. And obviously these two films are years apart and being made and, uh, and, and after very different things, but in the concepts of romantic love, the difference there is I read the princess bride scene as him actually sort of feeling out to a degree is is she really still available for me? Like, is she as opposed to she has spurned me and I'm going to shame her publicly? And more like, okay, I, that he's like testing the waters because the moment that she shoves him and the moment she actually like pushes him out of her life, he of course yells the "as you wish" and everything is you know immediately clicks into place. So that is a little bit of a difference. Into speaking, what you were saying about like the earned nature of it. This film is all about something that romantic love is not always portrayed as, and that's self-sacrifice, um, putting the other person you know, above yourself. Um, he's pursuing her to rescue her. Like, yes, he wants to be with her, but he's pursuing her to rescue her, and that can't be lost in, in what's happening. Like, yes, right. he is pursuing her because he wants to be with her. I'm not, I'm not pretending it's otherwise, but... It's not the kind of, well, I must possess you, I must have you thing. Like she's among people who plan to kill her. I don't know if Wesley <laughs> right. knows that or not, but he is, he is, he is, you know, bringing her back. And then even when he pursues her to rescue her from Humperdinck, it's the same thing. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's very much pursuing her to pull her out of that. And it feels in the moment like that is, and it feels when you watch the film, like that's a very different idea of romantic love than I need you to complete me. I need you right. to make yes. me feel whole. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is. I am going to go to literally the ends of the earth to make sure you are whole. And yes, I love you. And yes, I want to be with you. But that is the, that feels like the kind of romantic love that princess bride is after versus what I think we're all saying a, a distortion version of that is, Oh my God, I can't think without you. I can't sleep without you. I can't, you know, like I, I, I cannot breathe without you. That kind of, mm-hmm. It's a very self sort of focused kind of infatuation. And I do, I would contend pound for pound that Princess Bride is, is significantly more as you wish, not as I wish, as yeah. you wish is, right. is I love you. Not, not, a, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's very different. And I do think, uh, bringing this back around, I do think that is the, an aspect of the vision of love that's given to us as part of, what has been distorted about the way that I believe God sees us and distorted mm-hmm. about the way that I believe God loves us. I think there is a tremendous amount of bad language surrounding presenting God as a very self-seeking, I need you to worship me. And so I love you. So, you know, so mm-hmm. you worship me. And there's a lot of really flawed and problematic language saturating a tremendous amount of that when 
what I believe the scriptures lay out for us and what I really and truly in my theology believe is a God who we see empties himself, like, mm-hmm. like literally pours himself out to rescue mm-hmm. and to redeem. And that is what I connect with yeah. as opposed to the distorted version of like, well, no, I, I need you to complete the holes and the, and the, and the things in my life um, instead, uh, uh, kind of the, the emptying of, of themselves to, to make the other whole. That's, yeah, I know I just swathed big ideas really fast, but that's how I feel about the difference there, the distinction. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, so this is the moment right now. This is the moment where uh, we've been talking about Princess Bride for, for quite a while. And so <laughs> um, what I will say is, is we can pivot to the fog meter and draw this inconceivable episode to a close. Um, I will say if there's any other small little nugget that somebody else was like, oh my God, I can't leave this conversation without saying X, then go ahead and do so now. Um, otherwise, we will go ahead and pit it over into the fog meter and uh, draw this draw this con- conversation to a close. Yeah, Nathan? No? I mean, yeah. we are men of action. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, there's one more thing that I need to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it sort of probably belonged more back in the trivial bits, mm. but uh, in the early days of the pandemic, I don't know if you guys knew about this, mm. a, a bunch of actors mm-hmm. got together and yes. remade the princess bride shot for shot um, with, with a, with a wide variety of people playing yeah. the different, uh, the different characters yeah, it's and not even so, the same character throughout each of the things. No. It's just little scenes recreated. And even in the same scene, sometimes it's different people yeah. playing the characters, or 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 sometimes it's one person playing all the characters right, in that scene. Right. And so that is uh for anyone who is, you know, still with us at this point, uh, <laughs> you owe it to yourself to 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 seek that out because it is hysterical and amazing and probably the 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 best part of it is uh, once again the one that i (laughs) chose as my favorite the to the pain scene Mm. is is acted by paul rudd as wesley oh my gosh and and carrie elwis as humperdinck wow that's awesome that's that very cool it's amazing i have so no, it's on i've not it's on it. youtube it's on youtube it's, on YouTube? it's called okay. uh, you know the home movie princess bride man so i really want to see it i know that there is at to, least i actually that's the version of the movie that i rewatched for, for in preparation <laughs> oh, for this cool. so. that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> i definitely want to seek that out um well so l- let's 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 take this movie to the fog meter our patent pending metric of uh f- it in in scary world it is fear and god um in this what saves us series um which is hard to believe we only have two more months of this that's crazy but in this what saves us series it is fun and god so um john as our resident guest i'm going to be coming to you first um go ahead and give us both of your measurements uh, simultaneous, if you don't mind, uh, your your sure. fun meter and your god meter for the Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the fun is it's got to be a ten because we've said <laughs> over and over, like this is nearly a perfect movie, and and it's just it it's it's been a nearly endless source of of joy <laughs> in yeah. my life, and so it cannot be anything other than a ten. 
awesome. for the fun meter and for the God meter, you know, I feel like we, we, we bring a good bit into this conversation. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I don't know how much the princess bride actually has on its mind. Mm. Um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe the way that it so deftly uh, dances throughout these various genres uh, indicates and 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 something that we haven't mentioned before yet is that you could you could watch this movie and, and just sort of sort of passively take it in and not really understand how much of a satire it is right um, yeah, good point. you cannot you cannot do that with the book the book's satire is far uh, more is, is far further forward um, mm-hmm. and and so uh, I, I feel like it needs to be, it needs to be more like a six. All right. Fair enough. God meter. Heard, heard. Um, Nathan, what would you give it for? Go ahead and give both measurements, your fun and God measurement. Uh, it is an unquestionable 10 for fun. And I don't know. I think, I think there's a reason, uh, uh, on its own that it has stood the test of time that it has that the fact that it's as impactful as it is and at least for me insofar as this time around and and i think i landed a little bit on why to me the the framing device of the grandfather and the grandson is so powerful is is it's telling me you can do this for someone too mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. stir magic into someone's life you can introduce them to the because you know while grandpa and grandson are not romantic love in the way we sort of commonly understand it. There is a deep and abiding intimacy and love there Yes, that, mm-hmm. that is uh, an opportunity and fertile ground to, to invoke a sense of magic and wonder yeah. and awe. And so, you know, I would agree. I don't know that it sets out to do all those things per se, but it definitely achieves a lot of what it might not have even known to set out for. So uh, I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a nine. For All me. right. Uh, heard um, needs no justification. It's a 10 for fun. Uh, I mean, this is, yeah, needs no justification at all. Um, I think that it is really easy. I'll say this about its themes and about its sort of God factor. Something that is pure fun usually gets relegated after time to pure nostalgia. So if something is merely fun over time then uh, and has nothing on its mind, then it's usually going to be what you would relegate as a guilty pleasure or just an indulgence or something. Princess Bride is not that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it holds up the way Wizard of Oz holds up. It holds up the way certain perennial things are where it's like, yes, people 70 years from now will be discovering this film and still being like, wow, that was really wonderful. Um, so it is, it is hard for me to dismiss. Um, at the same time, I think everything we've been saying is like, at the same time, its themes are kind of direct and, and it has uh, a bit of you know the typical fairy tale vibe on its mind. So I think I'm going to land um, at a seven and a half on my uh, God meter, because I feel like it's, there's not nothing there or or else this would be merely, you know, guilty pleasure, nostalgia after all these years. Um, There is definitely something there. Um, And so that means that we give the princess bride directed by Rob Reiner. Oh, 
this delights me. So the true measurement is 8.775, but we're just going to round it up to a nine. We give it a nine out of 10 on the fog meter, which I think is really appropriate for uh, the Princess Bride. Um, John, thank you so much for submitting this, for coming on the show. Uh, you're you're on mute right now, so I don't want the the audience to lose you. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm watching there you talk. I thought you knew you're on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much again, man. We really appreciate you being here. You've been in our Absolutely. ether for a long time, so to actually finally get to have a conversation with you is really really great. That's on our show. I'm utterly, I'm utterly delighted, and I'm uh, I know I my show is still on hiatus. I'm I'm hoping at some point to be able to start it back up again and mm. and uh, be able to talk to you guys uh, once more uh, because awesome. I, I was hoping to have you both on for for Endgame and mm. uh, why didn't that work? Oh, Reed, you had just had a root canal, I think. Was, yes, and I was, was not in speaking form. Um, no, sincerely, this is this has been fun. It's been fun having you on. Uh, like I said, we've known each other a long time, so it's good to finally have a conversation with you on the show. Um, next week, we are going to be entering into another What Saves Us entry. Um, this is one that I am both uh, very intimidated by and very excited to to have this conversation next week. Um, I, I should have looked up precisely how to say this director's name. Uh, Roland Jaffe, I believe, is the way you say his name. But uh, it is the film starring Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons uh, from the mid '80s, 1986. It's called The Mission. Next week, Mission. we will be yeah, we will be diving into uh, the jungles of Portugal and Spain um, for uh, The Mission. So acquaint yourself so with there, that film. Are there rocks ahead? If there are, we all be dead. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got it. I'm glad was, somebody got it. My goodness. See, I was, I was, it's all I right. Was, it's all right. I was You're ramping already up out for the sign off. Yes. I was ramping yeah. up for the sign off and you just like, you, whereas you, you were casting a vision for the future. And I was just trying to encourage us to, to be mindful of the rocks. That's, that's uh, yes, that's true. You're, you know, I'm valiant, but stupid. You are eminently practical. So, um, Yes. So uh, tune in for that next week. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you again, John. See you guys. Thank Thank you, you, John. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. (laughs) And uh, Okay, so let's... Oh, wait a minute. Okay, sorry. I need like three more minutes with you guys before we wrap up the show. All right. Because um, you, I, I hope, I think you probably remember this. This was a couple of years ago. Okay. And I had a dream about you, Reed. Oh, do you I remember, remember this? this? Yes, with the alien. Oh, I absolutely remember. No, this. not the alien. Not, not no, the alien. Not that one? No. You, you've dreamed no. about me a lot, John. It's a little, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought it was only the one. I, I only remember it being the one. I think you're it's romantic I think you're, love. You're confusing it. Um, I might be. I might be. We we were 
one of us was in the other's hometown and okay. we were we were exploring the town having a good time we ended up in this in this sort of strange building um and and venom comes out it was venom it wasn't the it was alien venom. it was venom you are and, right yes and so then and so then all of a sudden like in dream logic you know like now we're out in the middle of this like big open courtyard and he starts he starts charging toward us and and you don't see him yet because because somehow you have you have shifted to the background and the only word that can describe what you are doing at that moment was frolicking. Mm, that sounds like a very like, thing to do. Like, hey, now <laughs> you guys, have you guys seen, you guys have seen Dexter's laboratory that, that cartoon, yes. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know how his sister kind of like prances around in the, in the background. Of oh things gosh. Yes. Sometimes what I was doing. It wow. was, that was that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh my God. So, so I see venom charging at us and I go, uh, read <laughs> and and you come to attention all of a sudden and you leap into action and you charge yeah, you charge at venom that's right and and he's like you know he's he's doing the like all fours you know like running at you and he pounces and he just jams his claws into your chest and you're done that's the i end. saw this i saw this going different end of yes. read okay no that's that's what, <laughs> that, that was the, the it was it was it was you know one of these really valiant but stupid you know sort of sort of things and that actually defines me pretty well really well <laughs> and and so you know so then you know his attention now has come to me and i'm, I'm like oh no like what okay venom it's sonics okay so i have to and so like as he's coming at me i just start screaming at him as loudly as i can oh and my it's, gosh and it's actually it's kind of working you know it's the the like in the way that it does when he's attacked with like a sonic weapon like the wow. the symbiote's kind of like coming off them and like my voice kind of falters for a second and then i rally again and 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 it, you know it's sort of that's that's all that they're that was that was it yeah that was but it was still pretty amazing (laughs) i'm also i'm also stunned you still remember that dream i think that was probably like a couple of years ago at least like it was was in the early days of the show it was really vivid and amazing that's awesome hey i like to think i like to think that i will leap into action even if i know i'm gonna lose (laughs) like i really like to think that that's true hi everybody